What's up, good people? My name is Jordan Malone. I am your host for this newest episode of TMI, the podcast that is all about teaching, motivating, and igniting your spirit. And today's newest episode is going to be a little different from what we do in last previous episodes, as today we're going to go into a debate and basically dive into the nice details and each perspective and go into different ways to tackle it. And today's topic is all going to be about HBCUs versus PWIs. Now, if you're from HBCU or you're from a PWI, then this is a discussion that I want you guys to go ahead and get into. Because for years, we've been having this debate time after time again, no matter it be in person, remotely, on Twitter, Instagram, no matter where we've had this debate, it's always prevalent. And it seems to ignite during special situations, including this one where we have the rise of the Black Lives Matter group and the continued effort defining equality for all African Americans. I can't wait for you guys to listen to this new discussion that I have for you and to really hear from what you guys have to say. I've been spending a good amount of time getting everything down and dirty for this topic. Let's go ahead and kick things off with this track from DJ No Tag, my main man. Let's go ahead and get it. I said this whole topic is all about getting into HBCs versus PWIs and I wanted to go ahead and do a topic like this because I'm a HBCU student myself and I've had friends that have gone to PWIs and I have friends that go to HBCUs. Uh, I've been hearing the debate time after time again and now being in my senior year in college I kind of get like a feeling about how much I want to go into this topic, but like the stuff that I know and I can form an opinion about where I'm at in this whole debate. And for this topic, I wanted to go ahead and do some really good research, uh, not only just accounting my personal experiences, but I also wanted to go in, look at articles from different years of past to get a sense where HBCUs and PWJAT were at at the time. Look at certain things like financial financial statuses of certain HBCUs and PWIs. Look at articles, incident reports, stuff like that. And most importantly, I wanted to get other people's perspective uh, as I went through this entire topic. So towards the later half of this episode, you're going to hear me go through different people's perspectives and help me form this argument that I have uh, for this topic. And uh, I implore you guys to actually look through all of the sources that I used uh, for this project so that you guys can go ahead and learn and probably find some things that I missed that I uh, probably didn't get to in this episode that you might find interesting. Uh, That's the point of TMI. We want to make sure that you guys are being taught to, you guys are motivated and you guys are ignited to go ahead and learn for yourselves and spread that knowledge because some people may not know uh, about this time. Some people may not know the sources they have uh, beneath them and, you know, just want to go ahead and share that wealth. But let's go ahead and get started with just talking about those two quotes. Uh, the one from Rochelle E. Goodrich and Ernest Hemingway uh, that I said in the beginning of this episode. And again, like I said, those two quotes are ideally what should be followed in debates and discussions. Uh, in reality, this is far from the case in today's world, especially for this topic. And that kind of leads into this next thing where it's no secret that for most African-Americans, we're always told that we're supposed to work 10 times hard to get to the same level as white Americans. 
it really coincides with the process of young African-Americans, male or female, getting to college. Uh, once we get there, it kind of feels like that all of the barriers pitted against most African-Americans have made getting to college, you know, more sweeter than, you know, in a normal American, because there's always these barriers that put against us. There are always these roadblocks that we have to cross through. There are always statistics that told us that we have to stay in our lane, as you can kind of go back all the way from the first episode of TMI, TMI that's always talking about assigned seating. And once we achieve that milestone, we've already proved uh, a part of society that nothing can really hold us as a as a group, as a race. Uh, still, we tend to forget about that. And once we get into college, there's this new problem that we have besides uh, the main problems that we deal with in college. Uh, besides those problems of getting through professors, classwork, all-nighters, college debts, getting to our career paths, internships, all that, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we, we still, as African-Americans, we kind of run to this whole debate, this whole problem of HBCUs versus PWIs, where you have one side saying that if you're a black man or a black woman and you go to a PWI, you're a traitor to your race, you're nothing but of several explicitives here, and you know you really don't know what you're doing you're being brainwashed but you have one side of the argument from pwi saying that hbcus think they're above uh themselves from everybody else they think that they're better than people because they go to a school that's for all black people and that you know they feel more comfortable but they don't really know what's going to happen in the real world or they're going to be overlooked or they're going to be in massive amounts of debt so all that in the way i thought i can go ahead and get into this debate uh because these debates are not really debates. <laughs> they turn into arguments and they turn into fiery Twitter fights uh, that cause laughter and disappointment. The laughter being from people uh, who react to the pettiness that we have in Twitter and on social media towards these debates. And also the disappointment because at the end of the day, we're not we're not achieving anything through these debates. Uh, we've had all these problems with higher education, but we still get to this one Incy bincy problem when it comes to African Americans getting into college. So let's go ahead and get into this and ask the question why does this matter? Before we get into that, let's go ahead and introduce some key facts around PWIs and HBCUs. And let's go ahead and start it off with saying, understanding what a PWI is. And a PWI is a predominantly white institution. And it's a term that was used to describe institutions of higher learning in which whites account for 50% or greater of the student enrollment. Uh, if you think for H if you think for HBCUs, uh, HBCUs are basically historically black college and universities, and that's where African Americans account for fifty percent of the of the student body in the institution. And HBCUs were founded in the eighteen hundreds. The first HBCU introduced was in eighteen thirty seven, which was Cheney University, located in Cheney, Pennsylvania. Uh, the oldest PWI, just for a fun fact. Was Harvard University, which was founded in 19, no, 16, 1636. And uh, so far today, we have about 101 HBCUs located in 19 states, also in the District of Columbia in the U.S. Virgin Islands. 51 of those schools are public, 50 of those schools are private. Uh, the reason why we have HBCUs and why they were founded, because at a time when many schools barred their doors of black Americans, these colleges offered the best and often the only opportunity for higher education. Although these institutions were called universities or institutes from their founding, a major part of their mission in the early years was to provide elementary and secondary schooling for students who had no previous education. It wasn't until the early 1900s that HBCUs began to offer courses and programs at the post-secondary level. That kind of paints a picture to why HBCUs were there because HBCUs there wasn't really there at first for post-secondary learning. They were there just to teach African-Americans in the 1800s. So if you want to know where you where I got that from, it's from www.ed.gov and just got to go in and talk about HBCUs, the history of HBCUs around that time. And this was published around 1991, by the way. Now, now, there's a couple of things that kind of shaped HBCUs. You have Plessy versus Ferguson, which talked about separate but equal, uh, which kind of put the forefront of just segregation and everything. And then you have the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that introduced the problem 
uh, versus the Brown of uh, the Brown versus Board of Education and how very slowly things were trying to change for HBCUs, but it really wasn't working because again, it was slow. So it talked about how there needs to be more state and federal funding for HBCUs and a lot of other things. Uh, again, go to the sources. I want you guys to go to to learn more about this stuff. Uh, but again, these are kind of the facts when it comes to PWIs and HBCUs. Uh, you have this long history of HBCUs that kind of show its tradition, its values, and its purpose for the African-American community. Oh, by the way, PWIs were also introduced, or the word PWIs introduced in 1964 to signify which schools were considered HBCUs and which schools were PWIs at the time. So, again, this history, this tradition, this culture for HBCUs is something that really, really is played in the heart of many students, administration, uh, older alumna, older alumna from these previous HBCUs. And you now you kind of got the history of HBCUs and what a PWI is. Let's go ahead and just introduce the debate of HBCUs versus PWIs. And I won't go into the statistics, the research, anything yet, because I want to start off with stuff that I found on social media and on Twitter. And some of this stuff you may already know if you're an avid Twitter user or if you just kept up with the times for so long up until now. But some people may not know how this debate uh, really doesn't achieve anything. Why I say it doesn't achieve anything and why uh, it's always pettiness and it causes laughter and disappointment. Now, I'm going to go with four that I want you guys to kind of look through and everything that's very, very just interesting in my opinion but the first one uh states a 4.0 at a hbcu is not equivalent to a 4.0 at a rigorous pwi no shade being thrown actually it is but that's the truth i you see the irony here it's like there's no shade. she says there's no shade being thrown but there is shade here's another one i attend a hbcu because i like being around my people not because i couldn't get into a pwi laughing emoji face these brainwashed Oreos are killing me. Another laughing emoji face. Yeah. Let's get to this third one. I don't like how these HBCU students be trying to act like when they work harder. That 3.8 would be a 2.8 at my school. If anything, at PWIs, black students' experiences are harder since on top of our academics, we have to deal with racism. Stay at your underfunded HBCU sneak dissers. See, you kind of see where I'm talking, where I'm going with. But let's get to this fourth one so we can go ahead and get it in. It's also weird to me when black PWI students legit be proud to attend schools like USM. Like I understand you attend school there, but you shouldn't express pride in USM the way at black student a <laughs> at. This is not this is not wrong for me. This is what's being said on the tweet. Uh, the way at black student at Jackson or Alcorn does at an HBCU. Uh, again, that's not my fault. Didn't mess up. That was the tweet. I just wanted to show you that not only people can be petty and say some of the outlandish things, but there's totally bad grammar. <laughs> but you see where I'm going with this. It's like this whole debate is just filled with pettiness and just people uh, throwing slurs and stuff like that and inaccurate information or information that requires more further, further research that, you know, makes that, that really progresses nothing in this whole debate. And I wanted to bring that because I wanted to show you what this debate is like in everyday life, in everyday situations on social media, especially on Twitter. And I could go ahead and go into a whole lot more, but I wanted to go ahead and take this time for the debate to look at both perspectives and compare both HBCUs and PWIs. And we'll actually start with that with endowment and revenue. Now, if you don't know what endowment is, endowment is basically the funding for all schools how the amount of money that a school is able to use for scholarships and for anything else that they see fit it helps them the endowment helps build the school to what they are now and revenue is just how much money do they make during a fiscal year and i took several dates uh for revenue i took the dates from 2017 to 2018 uh, again the source is down below in the description and you can find that real quick and it's very, very interesting. You know, for me as an HBCU student, it's, you know, it's still interesting when even though you know that you're 
HBCUs don't make that much money, but still, I figured you guys would like to know. So, with revenue, for total revenue for HBCUs in the year 2017 to 2018, HBCUs made a total of $8.7 billion. 1.9 of that was from student tuition fees. Now, if you compare that to a PWI like Harvard University, the total revenue for that school in the year 2017 to 2018 was $52 billion for that entire year. And if you think that I'm kind of going, I'm comparing these two schools unfairly because Harvard University is one of the biggest, best schools in the country, probably in the world, but I'll turn your attention to Ohio State, who's who made about $6.8 billion for that same year of 2017 to 2018. Now, you may think that because all of H the number is higher for $8.7 billion, that's like, okay. But remember, I said the total revenue for HBCUs in that year accounted for every HBCU. All 101. So when you compare that to the total revenue of one school, Harvard University, which is an exorbitant amount of money, and Ohio State, which is not as large as Harvard University, but still crazy that it almost nearly coincides with the amount HBCUs make, it really shows you how big the gap is between HBCUs and PWIs. If you don't believe me, let's go ahead with endowment. And with endowment, uh, I took the liberty of looking through several HBCUs and PWIs and showing how much do they make how much do they have for their funding to give to students for scholarships? And I'll go down the list. The first couple of schools are HBCUs. And for Morehouse College, Howard, Spelman College, Cheney, Tennessee State University, and North Carolina A&T. Uh, for Morehouse College, our endowment was $145 million. Howard University, $692.8 million. Spelman College, $390.5 million. Cheney, $1.31 million. And remember, that's the oldest HBCU in existence. Tennessee State University, $57.1 million. North Carolina AT, $55.1 million. Now let's actually look at PWIs. UGA, $1.34 billion. Vanderbilt, $6.3 billion. Ohio State, $5.65 billion. And Harvard University, $56.5 billion. So as you can see there, the financial gap between HBCUs and PWIs is already a glaring uh, and descriptive difference between both types of institutions. And it actually leads into the advantages and disadvantages of both schools that trickle down to different problems and good things with both the institutions that I want to go ahead and share with you guys. Uh, and I'll start off with PWIs. And... Again, I separated both PWIs and HBCUs and I compared them from both advantages and disadvantages so we can get a good, a clear picture of just what each perspective brings to the table if we were making an actual discussion or debate with it. Uh, and with PWIs, with advantages, first things first is the financial gain, the endowment, the funding, and where you see that alumni in this percentage is giving a big part of the endowment and the revenue for some PWIs like University of Georgia and they always tout how they have funds for alumni to give so that the school can always build and help teach their uh, students. Uh, with that, you have all of these other things that work well with PWIs. You have a bigger selection of major and minors. You can get certificates, associates, bachelors, a master's, PhD, or medical uh, degree from the University of Georgia and its system. Athletic programs are able to flourish as well because you see these athletic programs in top-notch sports networks like ESPN and Fox Sports. You have donors that continuously give to them to make them better. Uh, you have internships that even students who are not student athletes can work with uh, and so much more. Uh, you have a plethora of organizations and programs to choose from because they have enough money to fund those programs. Uh, overall, the facilities and the curriculum for many PWIs are pretty good because they have money. And again, money is a big 
big, big factor into what separates these two types of institutions. And I think the last advantage that I had, uh, that I checked this one out with a student from PWI, University of Georgia. And this one says, predominantly white institutions are realizing the importance of cultural support in African-American choices to attend college. And this actually comes from a article from rampage.us that talks about the advantages of PWIs. But like I said, we're not gonna be talking about the good or the bad. This is just comparing both schools. So let's actually get to the disadvantages since I got to it, the advantages. And the disadvantages with PWIs is that most African-Americans think that they're behind because there's a certain culture shock uh, with getting into PWIs. It may not be for everybody. Again, it may not be for everybody, but from actually interviewing with students from PWIs and actually looking through certain articles, some African-Americans think that once they get to a PWI, say for University of Georgia, say for University of Tennessee, Knoxville, they feel like once they get there, they felt like they're behind. They felt like they're behind from the curve because what they learned in high school wasn't something that they we're gonna learn in college. But there's a lot of white Americans that come into that school, come into college, they go to these classes and they feel like, oh yeah, this is something we learned in high school. Now, for me, it was a little different, but again, I went to HBCU, so I can't say a lot about it. But this is something that I did from interviewing. The second disadvantage is that there are more prevalent microaggressions for African-Americans, and that's kind of a no-brainer. When you're with, when you're in an institution that white Americans count for 50% or more of the student body, you're going to you're going to understand that there are more microaggressions for African Americans, overall for more minorities, because you're going to have some people that don't look too kindly to African Americans, to Hispanics, to Asian Americans. There's always going to be jokes. Do you take them lightly or very harshly? And that's the thing. And if you don't think I'm 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 telling the truth, then let me share with you a couple of stories from this one site, the Journal of BlackEducation.com, that actually has two things that I want to share with you guys. One is a study, and another one is just kind of a recent story that uh that happened at the University of South Carolina that I thought was interesting. But let's go with the first one. The first one states that in 2015, there were 860 hate crimes on college and university campuses that were reported to the police or campus security agencies. Uh, the most common type of hate crime reported by institutions was destruction, damage, and vandalism, which was about 363 incidents, followed by intimidation, which was 357, and simple assault, which was 79. Four out of five of the total reported on-campus hate crimes in 2015 were motivated by race, religion, or sexual orientation. Race was the reported motivating bias in 39% of hate crimes, which was 339 incidents. Let me say that again. Race was the reported motivating bias in 39% of hate crimes. Race was the most frequent category of motivating bias associated with all types of hate crimes, accounting for 42% of reported vandalisms, 40% of reported intimidations, and 49% of reported simple assaults. I don't feel, I, I don't think I need to go over and go over that again. Again, the source is down in, in the description. And also, to me, I'm not that surprised. But uh, the other story revolving in the University of South Carolina uh, was that you know, it kind of goes out like this. There was a Zoom bomb. If you don't know what a Zoom bomb is, it's basically like when you pull up Zoom and you have like a meeting and everything, someone tries to like hack and bomb your Zoom meeting and then they can do whatever they want. They just hijack the whole thing. And this happened at the Association of African-American Students in the University of South Carolina in a state. While students gathered online for the Zoom cookout, several people crashed the party. A statement for the Association of African-American Students said that during the cookout, unknown persons entered and proceeded to post a plethora of images, videos, and messages containing racist slurs and derogatory terms. That's what I took off from it. Now, the reason why I put that on there because it, it paints the picture of what African-American students at PWS have to go through, really. And it, it, it's something that you know, it's not surprising. That gives them that. That kind of goes off from that one tweet uh, that I said that talking about like how 
PWIs, black students experience a harder sense on top of academics, we have to deal with racism. And I may not be for every HB for every PWI because some students say they never deal with racism while they're over there. But some students have to deal with deal with it. They always deal with it. And that's just something that we have to put it blank as a disadvantage, as a problem. And, you know, there's a couple other things that I can go off from here. Uh, but I want you guys to go ahead and visit the journal of blackeducation.com and look at the list of incidents that involve countless at accounts of racial motivated incidents and hate crimes but with that out of the way let's go ahead and get an hbcus good old hbcus because not only y'all have y'all good things about yourselves but y'all have some really bad things about yourselves as well and i want to go ahead and do that give y'all the same energy i gave the pwis and let's start off with the advantages hbcus have played an historical role in enhancing equal educational opportunity for all students of African-Americans and also for the student body, no matter what. Uh, more than 80% of all black Americans who received degrees in medicine and dentistry were trained at the two traditionally black institutions of medicine and dentistry, which is Howard University and Meharry Medical College. Today, these institutions still account for 19.7% of degrees awarded in medicine and dentistry to black students. HBCUs have provided undergraduate training for three-fourths of all black persons holding a doctorate degree, three-fourths of all black officers in the armed forces, and four-fifths of all black federal judges. HBCUs are leading institutions in, award, in awarding bachelorette degrees to black students in the life sciences, physical sciences, mathematics, and engineering. HBCUs approximately account for 33% of African-American students receiving their PhDs in STEM, where they attained their bachelor's degrees from said HBCUs. And HBCUs can tend to rank high in terms of proportion of graduates who pursue and complete graduate and professional training. Now these first couple of advantages I point out shows you the role that HBCUs put for African-Americans that attend their colleges and universities, because I wanna go ahead and show you that HBCUs really do a lot. It shows you that no matter where you go, HBCUs are going to lead that category or even just be there and surprise you a little bit. You may never know who went to an HBCU and they're in a high ranking office official uh, seat, wherever, be in a company, uh, be in a restaurant, be in radio show, something like that. You may never know who may went to an HBCU and that's how much HBCUs account for. But I want to get into two other things. Actually, one other thing. A good dis a good advantage of HBCUs is the sense of community and freedom of racial microaggressions for the black campus at large and the tradition that the HBCUs carry. We've been able to learn more about African-American history than you kind of do not only in high school, but in PWIs. African-Americans help other African-Americans learn from HBCUs uh, from just learning some stuff that we should have already known since we're since we were younger and we have the sense of community and this freedom from racial microaggressions to feel comfortable at our school so we don't have to worry about uh, hate crimes or racial motivated uh, crimes against us and just worry about the simple things about college debt and all-nighters <laughs> that's really it uh, with all that being said Let's go ahead and get into the disadvantages. And the major problem with HBCUs is the many financial challenges that come with it. It is no secret that HBCUs are well underfunded, but they also do not make that much money. Even though they make millions of dollars, it's still not enough to basically have a pretty good learning environment sometimes. And it trickles down to other bad problems with it. And there's actually this article. There's this article uh, that talks about the underfunded nature of HBCUs. And it actually comes from this one guy that worked for Tennessee State University and took accounts from many different people. And the first account was from Dr. Dennis Thompson, the commissioner of the MEAC, which is one of the only two Division I HBCU conferences. And he stated that deep-seated funding disparities are at the heart of most historically black school struggles. Uh, another account I can take from is from Johnita Johnita Cole, the, the then president of Spelman College in Atlanta and Bennett College in Greensboro, North Carolina. And she said that adding the endowments of all 101 HBCUs together would amount to approximately $2 billion. Actually, let me say 103. Uh, 
let me say 103. And the reason why that number went up, because at the time there were two other HBCUs that were there, but I think they may have went down from accreditation, which leads into the financial problems accreditation. When compared with the approximately 35 billion in the Harvard endowment, the differences are stark. Although HBCUs constitute only 3% of American higher education institutions, they graduate about 24% of all black college students. That was what Johnita Cowell said to a panel regarding the underfunded nature of HBCUs. Again, you can look back at the endowment and the revenue to figure out the major gap between HBCUs and PWIs, but with these financial problems, it leads into different other problems. It's like when you have all of these great, it's like when PWIs had great money money advantages, it trickled down to other advantages they can supply to students and for the campus as a whole. Well, it goes like this, but the other way around. Because we have financial problems, housing is always a big, big, big uh, frustration for students, whether it be because of its dilapidated na nature or the scarce amount due to over-enrollment. There's actually a report from the HBCUdigest.com which talked about the glaring problems with TSU uh, and how students took it up to themselves to make a plea with President Glover at the time uh, to talk about the problems with the Wilson dormitory. And uh, it states, in the months leading up to the semester, several students, myself included, were faced with issues regarding housing and financial aid. Upperclassmen have been housed in freshman dorms because of unfit conditions in several on-campus apartment units. Those currently housed in apartment units have also reported mold and plumbing issues. Mold and plumbing issues. Yeah, it's true. I cannot speak for students currently housed on campus, but I must remind readers of the student protest held last year because of the living conditions in the Wilson dormitory. Again, this was the administration of TSU, Student uh, Government Association, uh, making the plea to President Glover. There's also a, uh, a story that I remember back in 2018 from 11live.com that talks about the housing crisis in Clark Atlanta because they simply over-enrolled too many people for the following school year. Again, sources down in the description box. But there's some... some, there's some uh, <laughs> sorry about that. There's some certain things that also lead to disadvantages of HBCUs. And this is not really about... The financial problems, I, I can go all day about the financial problems, but this is something that I've kind of taken in as a student at an HBCU myself. But tradition always seems to govern the choices of how HBCUs operate sometimes, leading to progression not being made. What I mean by that is that we always, we, we always, the administration always seems to uphold the tradition of HBCUs and basically changes happen very slowly or don't happen at all when they need to. It's like that whole common joke about how it's the year 2019 or 2020 and our HBCU still looks like from the early 2000s or even the 1990s. And that's kind of a problem. <laughs> and changes happen very, very slowly. Like the things that you see at PWIs that they had right off the bat, we kind of get them 10 years later, kind of putting us five steps backwards. Uh, the other thing, competition is always being made not only in the classroom, but also financial aid, recognition, organizations, and roles, and school administration, which seems to create a divide because when you have an all-black campus or the majority black campus, you're, you're, you can't use your race uh, to get what you want. You have to fight for it. And some people feel like some people feel like they have to use people and do all the things to get what they want. But again, that's just something that some people have said, some people can do, that happens in some schools. It doesn't happen everywhere, so it's not a widespread thing. It's just something you see in HBCU sometimes. Uh, you have this thing about competition. And then the biggest thing I took away is that there seems to be a divide between other HBCUs because people always like to fight uh, because which HBCUs are different, which HBCUs are better. And people actually think that there's an Ivy League for HBCUs where you got you kind of have like these several schools like Morehouse, Smellman, uh, Howard, Dillard, that people think that are better than every other HBCU. And <laughs> I can get into that, but that's another can of worms. And again, those are the big, big, big disadvantages of HBCUs that I wanted to point out. Again, I can go into so many things about HBCUs that I deem that I deem is a disadvantage or an advantage. I can go so long, I, I can keep asking people about PWIs, but I actually want to get into the next part of this whole 
discussion, which is my favorite part, other people's perspectives. And they paint a picture of, you know, what this argument is going to. And I've gathered about a total of 25 people in this whole entire argument that I want to get their perspectives. Uh, I got some from HBCUs, like Morehouse and Spelman and Tennessee State University. Uh, I got some coming from PWIs, a plethora of PWIs, University of Georgia, NKU, UTC, Tennessee Tech University, uh, UCLA. Uh, I'm very much excited uh, to share with you guys what these people say. And I'm actually going to go with a PWI first because I got this from uh, an old friend from high school that, that what she said was very, very interesting. And I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. Uh, not only does she attend University of Tennessee Chattanooga, UTC, but she's also a nursing school student in their nursing school program. And let's go ahead and give a round of applause for her just because of that. But uh, I asked her uh, a couple of questions regarding why she chose uh, UTC. Does she ever regret uh, not going to an HBCU? And what does she think about the debate? Does she, did, does she think that the debate for HBCUs versus PWIs is getting too old or is it still relevant? And this is what she had to say. For the first question, she said, I chose UTC because of the size in our nursing program. As it relates to the sizing, even though the physical campus seems big, the community has a small and close-knit feel. Even with the thousands of people on campus, you get to see and have the opportunity to form bonds and relationship with people with differing backgrounds and experience. UTC has a sort of family feel to me as it relates to the nursing program. We have one of the top nursing programs in the state so I feel like I'm getting some of the best education I can push to me to success in the future. Uh, she'll go on to say, I don't regret not choosing an HBCU for many reasons. I feel like at the end of the day, college is what you make it. So if you don't ever give yourself the chance to experience new things and grow, you could potentially have a bad experience at either a PWI or HBCU. Message. <laughs> no, 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 let's keep going. There are challenges that students face at PWIs and HBCUs, so I ultimately don't feel like it matter, matters which one you choose. I personally feel that UTC has given me the space and opportunity to grow in ways that I've never imagined. I am involved in Greek life with orientation and a few other organizations on campus. By the way, she's AKA, just thought I'd put it out there. Congratulations for her. I never have felt like any opportunities that have been taken away from me because of the color of my skin at UTC. I have excelled in a number of ways and it wouldn't, and I wouldn't trade my experience for anything. And I've done it all with very little debt. And honestly saddens me that this is my last year there. That's good, that's really good to hear. That's really good to hear. But finally, she goes off with the debate question. And she goes off saying, I have always thought that the HBCU versus PWI argument is tired and unnecessary. I feel like the main argument that people make is the experience is just different. Experience does in fact matter, but your experience is yours no matter what. You can create your own experience and I don't think people realize that. I think the choice of PWI or HBCU is a personal one because at the end of the day, you know what fits you best. While experience is important, I don't think it should trump other factors important in choosing a school like whether or not the school offers the major or majors you're interested in and the cost of the college and university. I would definitely advise students to go where the money is, whether that is an HBCU or PWI. No one wants to graduate from college in large amounts of debt. So if you are granted scholarships and grants from a school and they have the track you are interested in, I'd say go with that one. And, you know, this woman is phenomenal. I'll just say that right there. She is very, she is very well versed into what she wants to say, into her profession. Uh, and this really paints a picture to wow, some how some African-Americans feel like they're very comfortable in PWIs. And it's very nice to hear. It's very, very nice to hear. And, you know, I have a couple of other accounts from PWIs. Again, I have one for NKU where this is a rising senior who is also an athlete over at that school. And she thinks that it's important to talk about, it's important to talk about this conversation, uh, but also to realize that people People have to realize that HBCUs aren't for everyone. That she would go on to say, and that's that's true. And you know, you have other people. You have one from Tennessee Tech University uh, that says that the HBC versus PWI discussion is very relevant, even if it's just for immigrants from African African countries. There's a disconnect between Black Africans and Black African uh, and Black African Americans uh, that I think having a greater emphasis placed on HBCUs would help alleviate. So this is someone from a P, from a PWI 
that further goes into the conversation about having this discussion with black Africans and black African Americans. And I think that's something that hasn't been brought up yet. That needs to be brought up. I'm going to shout, shout you out. Yuama from Tennessee Tech University. Uh, China from University of Tennessee Chattanooga. Uh, Peyton uh, from NKU. And also a big shout out to Jayla from UGA giving me some of the help with this when it came to the advantages and disadvantages. Uh, actually, I want to go ahead and give you what she said. Just a little snippet of what she said. PWIs versus HBCUs can stop because we all know there are troops on both sides when it comes to alumni, participation, campus, building quality, resources, community, inclusion, and funding. But we don't have to self-divide over it because it's dumb. Hell, I know we all did a pro and con search for schools when going to college. Let people get their education where they please and it doesn't make me a coon because I chose to get it where white people get theirs. I can go on and on and on about what she said, but... We have so little time. And I also want to get into very much uh, HBCUs and what they say. And this is actually from a good friend uh, that, uh, that I considered a mentor uh, going into my freshman year of college. His name was Martin B. He's a Morehouse graduate. And I asked him questions. Why did he chose uh, Morehouse? Did he go because it was HBCU? Uh, does he regret not going to a PWI? And asked him the same question about the argument. He will go on to say when it came to going to Morehouse. Honestly, both. I dreamed about going to Morehouse since I was a kid because my dad, an educator, always told me about its legacy and things of the nature. I didn't know I really wanted to go to Morehouse until I toured there during my senior year of high school. I knew it was the place for me to be. Being accepted to school and hearing it was ranked top five among HBCUs at a field because I personally didn't want to go to a school that lacked resources or was easy to get into. He would go on to say this. I didn't want to go to a PWI because I grew up in the hood. And every time I go to a PWI to check out their campuses, which is a lot of them in California, there was no black people. And the black people there seemed to be token blacks. I knew I couldn't relate. Also, I want to be around people who look like me, look like me, shared similar backgrounds or were motivated like me. I couldn't find that a lot of the black people where I grew up. I couldn't find that and a lot of the black people where I grew up. My fault, <laughs> I apologize. Also, I didn't want to stay in California for school, so that was another reason. I wanted to leave and try a new slate. Also, nothing about PWIs attracted me. I mean, sure, college sports are cool and all, but I worked at USC and UCL games. They're overhyped. HBCUs have more flavor. Okay. With the debate question, he will go on to say this though. The debate is stupid in my opinion, because I believe higher education is important no matter where you go. The problem is when black people try to slander HBCUs because of the lack of funding or dormitory issues or some other issue. Like, first of all, black people in America have lived life based on making the best of bad situations. So when PWI blacks try to slander HBCUs, I think it's a problem. But then again, HBCU blacks gaslight them more. So if everyone learned to coexist no matter what school they go to, then we wouldn't have that stupid debate either. Again, we're seeing people who don't care about this debate. That's the second time. But here's someone that goes in and says that debate is actually mattering. And this is actually from another graduate of Morehouse College. And it says this, I think it still matters. When I mention the fact that I go to Morehouse to other people, I've heard the response, I wish I would have attended an HBCU several times. So I think if students could hear both perspectives, it would, pre it would prevent future students from feeling like they made a mistake post-graduation. That, that, that speaks a lot of volumes. It speaks a lot of volumes when it comes to that, man. There's other people that say, you know, it's very important. Many go to school and find themselves in all kinds of unnecessary debt. College being vital for success is a myth in today's age. You know, one person, a rising senior, my classmate, Nick Cummins, would say, the debate is still important for the sake of educating all people, regardless of race or school, through the exchange of ideas. Example, what do HBCUs do now? Why are they important? What they can possibly do in the future? That people will understand our lives better and any other intentions behind the debate don't serve anybody else. I have a plethora, a plethora of other people's uh, perspectives when it comes to this. And I'm actually going to put them out uh, on this episode because I want you guys to actually look and see what these people have to say when it comes to the debate. Because if we only look at things from our shoes and not look at other people's lenses, we're not actually going to get a very good, clear, concise reason for why people choose PWIs and HBCUs. This is how you create a, de a descriptive debate. This is how you get people talking. This is how you actually listen and understand people by looking through their eyes and learning their stories. 
and I and I'll definitely put this up in the description box for you guys to see. Shout out to everyone that put the in, that put their input into this episode. I really appreciate you guys. I want to shout out all you guys, but there's there's more I need to get into this. I'm gonna shout out shout out to everybody. Their links enter in the description. Uh, if you want to follow them on Instagram or any other social media site. With that being said, let's actually get into my perspective because some of you may be thinking, Jordan, well, what do you think about this whole situation? You've been giving us stats. You've been giving us research. You've been showing us your homework. You, you've been giving us other people's perspectives. But what about your perspective? And that was something I had to think about for a minute. Because freshman year, I thought that every African-American should go to HBCU. I thought that HBCUs was the light at the end of the tunnel that most people weren't seeing. I remember in high school, I was getting some pretty good praise because I was going to Morehouse, which some considered uh, the black Harvard, the Harvard of HBCUs, which I don't find that to be true. Oh my God, hell no. I don't find that to be true, bro. <laughs> but... As I've grown and as I've matriculated through Morehouse College, I've realized that I don't really care for this debate. I don't really care. What I care about is more African-Americans getting to college, staying in college and graduating from college and doing great things after college. I, I don't care if you go to a PWI or HBCU. I know I, I said all these things about financial issues with HBCUs, racism with PWIs and, and some PWIs I've uh, said about the great things about PWIs the great things about HBCs all this stuff but no matter what I agree with some of the people from their perspectives of how they don't care about this debate how it's old I don't care either because at the end of the day like I said in the introduction we have we have all of these African Americans getting through the K through 12 educational system and they're pitted with so many barriers and so many roadblocks to get to where they need to be. And even when they get to college, it's it's still not affordable for them. You know, we've gotten people, we got a whole lot of African Americans into college. There's been an uptick on African Americans graduating from high school and getting into college. But when it comes to retaining those peoples, the numbers are always seem to be low because either HBCUs don't have the funding or PWIs are PWIs have a have a kind of like a semi toxic campus that we need to address at some institutions. You know, PWIs are trying to advance the culture aspect and let universities be diverse, bring some diversity into the table. And that's what PWIs are doing. And I'm happy for that. HBCUs are bringing the tradition and teaching African-Americans the history of, of basically our people. And enlightening and improving the wealth of African-Americans. And help serving in areas that need to be served and uplifted for African-Americans to be in a better state. Like for me, I want to be a doctor because I feel like there's a, there, there are health disparities within the African-American community. I want to spread health equity. I want to reach that reach that route. And I think an HBCU is good for that for me. But at the same time, I'm not gonna be mad at somebody that goes to a PWI because of financial reasons or because they feel like the facilities were better or because they feel like they have a they, they have a tight knit family over there. If you're happy, you're happy. Let's stop having this debate, let's do all that. But I know the debate is still gonna happen because someone's gonna bring it up, say something that's out of whack, and that's gonna be a problem. So at the end of the day, as long as the debate goes on, you know, we have to realize how do we take this argument into a real discussion and, and create progress with it. And that's all I really got to say, because I don't want to go on rambling. I feel like I rambled a little bit, but, you know, that's how I feel about the whole situation. And uh, with that being said, that kind of leads to the conclusion of this episode of TMI. The podcast is all about teaching, motivating and igniting uh, your spirit. I'm your host, Jordan Malone. Thank you guys so much for joining me today in this new episode about HBCUs versus PWIs. And thank you guys so much for the, thank you so much for the people who put their input uh, into this discussion. I, I want to thank so many people that put into this. I want to thank uh, Martin B. Martin uh, Martin B. Morehouse grad. I want to thank Kennedy London, London Rising Senior Morehouse College. I want to thank 
Torrance Banks, Morehouse graduate. I want to thank Daisha, a rising senior at Spelman College. I want to thank Austin Walker, a Morehouse grad. I want to thank Nick Cummings, a uh, rising senior. I want to thank Jayla, a rising senior at UGA. I want to thank Lance, uh, one of my good friends. He's a rising senior at Morehouse. I want to thank Peyton, rising senior from NKU. I want to thank China, from rising senior nurse, nursing school student. I want to thank Iwama, Cami, Nicola, Anna, Shade, my Clark sisters, uh, Tatiana and Ariana. Uh, I want to go ahead and thank Antonia. And I want to thank so many of you guys for helping me get this uh, this whole discussion going and giving you guys giving me you guys your insight into this whole situation. Again, I have all of the sources and research articles and numbers for you guys at the bottom of the episode in the description box. I want you guys. To, I implore you guys to look at that and kind of get a feel of what where I'm going at if there's anything I miss go ahead there's probably a couple of errors that I made a little bit in over here but that's the beauty of trying to learn from one another try to see where we can pick ourselves up and also I'll go ahead and put these guys Instagram handles down in the description box again you can listen to this episode on the official TMI podcast website at www.officialtmipodcast.com where you'll have all of my blog posts and all of the episodes up to date you can also go ahead and listen to this on spotify soundcloud anchor uh, google podcast itunes podcast uh and plenty more again this is tmi thanks so much for listening in today let's go ahead and kick it off with this track from dj no tag guys stay blessed stay safe and stay peace